When I became a grandparent, I realized there was a part of my heart that I had never known. I thought my heart was already full. Wasn't I surprised when I embraced the joy of being a grandparent and could love in a greater capacity? And I longed to have the same relationship with my grandchildren when they turned into teens, a time that most adolescents pass on their grandparents. The reason grandparents are living longer these days is because they're needed in the lives of their teen grandchildren to offer wisdom, to give encouragement, and to help them make it through those oftentimes troublesome adolescent years. The Grandparenting Small Group Curriculum, Leaving a Legacy of Hope, is a perfect set of lessons for those grandparents who want to remain engaged in the life of their teen grandchildren. Filmed at Amy Grant's farm in Franklin, Tennessee, this small group series is one of my favorite as I share insights and wisdom about the role of grandparents and how they can connect and make some memories before they lose theirs. Ten lessons, complete with a book of the same title, this series is a must for any small group of folks over the age of 45. Great material, thought-provoking ideas, with plenty of time for beneficial discussion. You can find this Leaving a Legacy of Hope curriculum series at www.grandparentingteens.com. That's grandparentingteens.com. Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard dive into a topic that will challenge, encourage, and inspire you as you parent your teen. Let's listen in. Our topic today for parents confronting teen mistakes. Not something we know a lot about because we didn't make any mistakes. I never made any. <laughs> just, <laughs> you were breathing you just made a every day. Every day. I invented the word mistake. Huh. I mean, it, it was interesting that, that back in the day, the way that mistakes were handled is we waited until five o'clock. Dad would come home, mm-hmm. pull out the belt, and correct everything yep. real quick. The Board of Education to the seat of learning, right? That's right. <laughs> and then we were supposed to sit around the dinner table and act like we love one another because oh, we boy. were having family time mm. and uh, then go do homework. I mean, mistakes were something that was pointed out and it was very demeaning whenever we were corrected. And uh, and so I think through the years, you learn how to engage with kids on a different level. And the point of correcting a mistake is not so that I can feel better. It's so that I can help my child navigate through something and learn something different. And I think we still get that somewhat confused as parents. Yeah. You know, the old adage is, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, the reality is we don't have our kids in mind enough, do we? It's, it's we really to, kind of an outlet for our anger sometimes. Sometimes. I think our anger, sometimes our frustration, our embarrassment. Perhaps we feel like, you know, a child's not living up to my expectations, and they may not be. But you know what? This isn't about you. It's it's trying to approach a child and say, what is it that I can take out of this situation and make better for them? I want them to learn. I want them to learn how to make good choices, and I want them to learn how you move on from here, but maintaining a relationship. Just because a child makes a mistake, and they will, and and if you say, well, my child doesn't make mistakes, 
I'll tell you what, they're hiding them from you, or you're just not seeing them. Every kid makes a mistake somewhere. But how you respond to it will determine the type of relationship you have with them. It's not if your teen makes a mistake, it's when your when teen they make a mistake. makes a mistake. All right, get us down uh, this road to helping them. I tell you what, you know, when you think that your child is making a mistake, and you may find out through a teacher calling, you may find out through a principal at a school, you may find out through other parents that your child is doing something wrong, the youth pastor, whoever. When you go to them, as Scripture would say, you go to them personally. You know, and, and a lot of people say, well, no, mom and dad need to sit down and talk to them at the same time. It's two-on-one. You mean that Scripture applies to parenting, absolutely, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to them personally. Decide between mom and dad who's going to confront the issue, but sit down with them. And that's the first thing that I tell people. Move toward them and sit down with them and don't put them on the defensive. If they've done something wrong, they're going to be on the defensive anyway. You don't need to put them there. Mm -hmm. And the second part of it is, is start by asking questions. Sometimes accusations are made that destroy the opportunity because you're accusing somebody of something that they may not have done, or there may be a reason behind it that should somebody be given that reason, it would help them understand and change the outcome. It's like this. Uh, if I'm speeding, you know, and a policeman pulls me over, uh-huh. well, if he doesn't ask any questions, he can give me a ticket. And legally, he can do that to me. He can write right. out a ticket pretty quick. Right. But if I have somebody that's in the back seat that needs to get to the hospital, it changes mm-hmm. the way somebody will respond. Well, unless he would ask the question, he'll never know. So presumption, as Scripture says, brings only strife. So ask some questions first. Then when you do that, then make a decision. Say, oh, well, I was just a little bit concerned. Well, it only makes sense to get the facts before we decide on the course of action. Yeah, but sometimes we stew on it a little bit too much. We think about it for a few days and and determine everything we need to do rather than sitting down and going, finding out if it's really truth or not. What I do with so many parents is say, here, let's just back up for a minute. Okay, your child came in this way, was drunk. You think they're sleeping around. You think they're doing something wrong. They cheated on a test. They, they stole something. They took some money. They, all those things. Just back up a minute. Let's ask the question. Well, no, I've thought about it for three days, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to do something about it. I go, no, no. Well, you need to ask some questions first you know, and find out if there's some truth to what's going on. Because when I go to a child and I say, hey, tell me, is there something that you would like to share with me? I find that given the right atmosphere, most kids say, you know what, there is. If they believe that I am there for their best interest, they come back and usually say, yep, there is something. Boy, that'll get you a lot further, won't it? It it does. And I go, well, tell me about it. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. And somebody say, I cheated on the test the other day. Really? Why were you cheating? Yeah, And you just start asking questions. Now, I'm not making an accusation. I'm asking questions, and they're saying, okay, this is what's happened. I said, well, tell me what happened at school because of that. Well, they're going to flunk me in the class, and I have to do so much work after school. Okay. You see what's happening? They're still paying the consequence. They know that I know about it. But more than anything else, what they're hearing is that I can still love them in the midst of making a mistake. And if somebody says, well, my child doesn't do that— they may not cheat, but unless they're perfect kids, which I've never met one, you know, they make mistakes. How we approach makes all the difference. And the words we choose in this confrontational time, they're very important, aren't they? That's right. I mean, if it is words like, you're an embarrassment to our family, I'm disappointed in you. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Well, they maybe they were, but they just were thinking wrong. <laughs> you know, you're a disappointment. 
How could you be a Christian and do something Ooh, like that? Yeah, those are toxic you know, it words. It is. And I mean, what that does is fuel the other side. You are not confronting a child's behavior. You are attacking their character. And so you have to move toward a child and, and, and talk about their actions, not about who they are. I mean, you're talking about your child. Now, even if they're doing other things wrong, I see kids all the time that have done so many things wrong and have violated every biblical principle there is. But you know what? They can still be good kids. They're just making terrible and poor choices. Mark, as you travel about the country and help parents raise their teens, uh, you have a list, uh, a few keys, actually, to how uh-huh. to confront lovingly. Can we, can we go through some absolutely, of those? Absolutely. You know, the first thing is let your teen know why you're confronting their misbehavior. You know, and, and I would move towards somebody and go, hey, can we talk for just a minute? I mean, and, and I want you to notice that it's asking the question. And if they say, nope, I don't want to talk. Well, I tell you what, I think we need to sit down and talk. Ask first, then demand. Okay. Ask first, then demand. I think we need to sit down and talk. And, 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 and here's some concerns. Somebody shared something with me, and I just want to ask you some questions. And they may come back and say, hey, I know what that's going to be. Okay, well, tell me about it. You know, you keep it light. You keep it easy. And, and what you want them to do is to own their own responsibility for their actions so that you don't have to enforce that on them. Well, we know it's much better to come clean than to uh, be dragged in that oh, direction, abs- right? <laughs> absolutely. You know, demonstrate your love by your demeanor and your respect for them. You know, if you move toward them with anger— uh, you know, the scripture that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Be gentle in your approach. Well, I'm mad. I can't be gentle. Well, then you need to stop and never correct in your anger. Hmm. Anger is not the motivation to be moving toward a child. You have to get a, a handle on it until the time that you can stop. That's usually when it becomes more of a shouting match or even a physical match or somebody, you know, it's a fight or it's a flight or somebody just freezes and stops and locks up and says, uh-uh. I'm not talking about any of this at all. So you, you want to make sure that you are showing respect to them in the process. There's another thing that we often do, and I know you've noted this too, is that we keep referring to them as you. You did this and you did that. Yeah. Instead of using the word you all the time, just say, you know, that may not be a good thing to do, you think? You know, or, or come back. Hey, does that fit in with what we're trying to accomplish here? Hey, you violated one of those rules that we talked about. What do you think we ought to do about that? What I'm doing is putting everything back on them, but I'm not talking about their character. I'm talking about their behavior, their poor choice. I would ask them the question, what have you learned from this? You know, and and to make sure that we make a learning opportunity uh, for that. Number four, these are keys to loving confrontation with your teen. Avoid using words like never and always. Always, Yeah. yeah. You know what? That always um, (laughs) makes a child feel like they're being attacked and never helps because Hmm. it doesn't give an opportunity for hope. What I'm doing at that time is I'm bringing everything in the past I'm bringing it to the future, and I'm saying there's no hope for you, and it'll never happen again. Now, wives, don't say that to your husband either. Husbands, don't say that to your wives. You know, and I, and I put that out there. I hate somebody saying, will you always do that? Yeah, will you never? And I'm going, never is a pretty big word. And when those kids start walking back and start thinking about those words, they start saying, well, if I always do this and I never do that, then 
it's never going to work in this relationship. I hope for something different from you. It seems like this is becoming a pattern and I don't want to be. How can I help you? Maybe a different way of engaging with the child. You know, I find that that other people make comments about this in you and I see it a little bit, but how can I help you with it? They already know what they're doing. Much better approach. Yeah, it's 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 a gentle approach to handle the same situation and the approach makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, check your attitude and your hurt feelings at the door. You know what? This is not about you. Correction of a child is not about you. Let me say that correction of a child is not about you. It is to help them get to a better place. And I'm talking about adolescence. I mean, at this point, you are taking what you've already taught them and reinforcing it with your discussions and your consequences and and, and knowing that a child will continue in the same pattern until the pain from their actions is greater than the pleasure they get from it. Mm. What you're trying to do is, is help them understand they're moving in a direction because it's discipline that they don't want to go and they're going to end up at a place that they don't want to be. And so you become one that is helping them from ending up somewhere that they that they really don't want to move towards. Hey, this is Mark Gregston, and I don't meet many families that aren't looking for new ways to add some new parenting tools to their parenting toolbox. On February 18th, 2023, Kirk Cameron and I will be leading a simulcast called Engage, equipping and empowering parents to raise teens in a contrary culture. Now look, I know this, you're looking for practical ways to engage your kids, upholding your beliefs, your the scripture that you've embraced and, and those principles that, that are dear to you. We're gonna give you the opportunity and practical ways to engage your kids to change their life and your kids are going to love the fact that you're attending this simulcast. You can find out more about Engage at Engage23.com. That's Engage23.com. We have a few minutes left today, Mark. Let's talk about inappropriate motivations for this confrontation and then some appropriate motivations. Absolutely. Just because my child makes a mistake and I'm frustrated, you know, disciplining my child is not for me to unload my frustration. Sometimes, many times I see parents that that engage in, in discipline for their sake, not for their child's sake. I think we've all been there. Let's yeah. admit it, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh, a lot. You, know, you get so mad, you just want to throw it out there. And, yeah. you, and when you do, reckless words not pierce the good. heart. Not good at all. So the second thing is sometimes parents want to prove themselves right and your teen wrong. And I always ask the question, why is it so important for you to be right? And why is it so important for you to show that your teen is wrong? They already know that. You don't need to to justify your position with them. They already know that. The fact that they know that they're wrong, I want to embrace them. I want them to know you can mess up, you can make a mistake, but sweetheart or son, I can still love you mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. And we can we can really crush them, can't we? Sometimes. Sometimes a lot of parents want to crush them into submission. They want to say, by golly, I want you to know that that I am over you and you're not going to do this as long as you're in this home. That's not exactly the words that draw a child to you. The fourth thing would be to change them into something or someone else. 
Why can't you act like your big brother? Your sister never did this. You're an embarrassment to this family. Why can't you act like the other people at church? We have an amazing way of taking this this child that has been made one way and wanting them to follow another path. I'm not so sure that all these kids end up at the at the right place if I was the one making decisions for them. And here's that word. It's never appropriate That's to right. threaten them. Absolutely. You know, to threaten them. You do that again, and I'll knock you halfway in the next week. You do that again, and I tell you what, this will. Now, I believe in consequences. Yeah. But when it moves to bodily harm, bodily damage, threatening that it's going to destroy relationships, you know, it doesn't work anymore. It just does You're not called to be a drill sergeant for your kids. You're, you're called to be a mom or a dad. All right. Well, let's end with the positives today. What are some appropriate motivations? Be very clear and concise and make sure that your teen understands your concern. Hey, we need to talk about something. I'm concerned the way this is going is not too good. I think you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be. How can I help you? You know, I know you're not studying, uh, but I'm concerned that where, the, where that's going to take you. How can I help you do that? Hey, I see that you're having a hard time here. How can I help you get back on the right track? It seems like you're kind of down a little bit. It's those kind of things that let a child know, I can walk alongside you during this time. And the second thing to keep in mind is we're really seeking to understand our teenagers. Absolutely. Ask questions. And then when you're finished, ask more questions. I think parents very seldomly really understand the true impact this culture is having on them. All right. The three more positive motivations. That's here. right. Give them rest from a wearying situation. Make sure that even in their mistakes, that they find rest in you, that they know they're not going to be condemned. There's consequences. They're not going to be condemned and they're going to be loved through it. B- clearly communicate your household beliefs, rules, and consequences just so they know that this is what we all agreed to. This is where we're walking. This, this is, is how why we're, we're get disciplining there. you. This is why we're talking about this mistake you made. That's right. And the reason there's consequences is hopefully we're going to solve a problem at hand and prevent it from happening again. Not because it embarrasses me is because it takes you to a place that you don't want to be. And it's just engaging in a different way that confronts a child that draws them to us. I love conflict. Conflict is a precursor to change. And I look at conflict with kids as an opportunity to move closer to them. The kids that I am the closest to, I've had the most conflict with. Isn't that amazing? Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org, heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.